They had come to faith through someone who had proclaimed the word of God, someone who had preached the word of God to them. They who had once been slaves of sin had now obeyed the gospel that had been delivered to them. You know, we have all once been slaves of sin. According to Romans 3.23, again, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this was the condition of every single one before receiving Jesus Christ. We were all sinners in need of a Savior, but not just any Savior. There is only one who can truly save, and His name is Jesus. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So I titled this message, The Glorious Liberty of Christ. I have four points in the message. We will see the glorious liberty of Christ is free. Second, we will see the glorious liberty of Christ sets us free. Third, the glorious liberty of Christ delivers. And finally, the glorious liberty of Christ is for God's children. Secondly, we find that the glorious liberty of Christ, it sets us free. Now, the gift itself, it's a free gift. But once we receive that gift, we discover that we have been set free. This brings us to Romans chapter 6, verse 18. We're going to begin there. In Romans 6, 18, it says, And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Being freed from sin does not mean that we are without sin, but that we have this change in priority. Prior to coming to faith in Jesus Christ, our focus was upon ourselves and upon the things of this world. But now, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are to have a focus upon Christ and the things of God. In Galatians 5.13, the word tells us, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You know, we live in a self-serving society which we were once all part of. And sadly, there are many within the church that still live by the self-serving nature. But now that we have been set free, we are to serve Jesus in righteousness and also to serve others. We are to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to serve those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
We are to serve others. We have been set free from sin that we might become slaves of righteousness to be servants to others. I've noticed those who have servants' hearts, and it's a blessing to see. I've also seen those who have servants' hearts fall back into, you know, stepping away from Christ and falling back into that self-serving mode in their life. And it's horrific to watch. You know, we do better when we serve others than when we attempt to simply serve ourselves. But sadly, we live in a society that's all about self. And so it is a retraining of the mind, but also of the spirit of God in us. We've been set free that we should have fruit unto holiness. And again, we pick up in Romans 6, verses 20 through 23. It says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and in the end everlasting life. And then it says, for the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We are all slaves to something. We are either slaves of sin or slaves of God. And those who are slaves of sin ultimately will find shame and death. But those who are slaves of God, they discover that they will have righteousness and holiness and in the end, everlasting life. Slavery to sin or slavery to God, they're two mutually exclusive things. We can only be slaves of one or the other. Jesus said so in Matthew 6, 24, saying, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate one or love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. But this wages of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they, along with creation, they were subjected to futility. The bondage of corruption, according to Genesis 3.13. By eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their sin, it has set the stage for today's present sufferings. In Romans 5.12, we read, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. The word tells us that sin produced death. It has us looking back to Adam and Eve eating of that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When God said there in Genesis 2.17 that you shall not eat it for in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Sin produced death in time past, but sin also produces death present as in James 1, 14 and 15, it tells us, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The Bible refers to the offerings that were given in the Old Testament 
It refers to these offerings that they were to be without spots or without blemish. And we all have our spots. We all have our blemishes. Those spots speak about that inherent sin nature that we have received from Adam and Eve. But those blemishes speak about those sins that we have personally committed against the Lord. Without the covering of Jesus Christ, without his blood, sin produces death. But thankfully, the word tells us in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. For he who has died spiritually, according to Romans 6, 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. That the blood of Jesus Christ sets us free. We have been freed from sin. And although the wages of sin is death, Paul teaches that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. So we have been set free because of the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And so we have seen that the glorious liberty of Christ, it's free. This liberty is free. It's available to us free. Secondly, the glorious liberty of Christ sets us free. It's the work that it does in our lives. Third, the glorious liberty of Christ delivers. First of all, when looking at this word delivers or deliver or delivered, we find that Jesus Christ himself was delivered up for our offenses. In Romans 4.25, beginning in verse 23, it says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification. The words, he believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness, Genesis 15, 6, were given about Father Abraham, about the righteousness that was imputed to Abraham that came to Abraham because of his faith in the word of God. He believed the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. This righteousness was imputed upon Abraham and also will be imputed upon all those who by faith believe in God, who raised up Jesus Christ our Lord from the dead. Jesus Christ was delivered. He was delivered because of our offenses. He was delivered, this Greek word used of uh, God delivering his own son to death, to a death that paid for the atonement of our sins. He has since become that propitiation or that covering of our sins. The word of God tells us in Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And though delivered up, Jesus was also raised up that we might be justified before God. He was delivered up, as it says in Isaiah 53, 5, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. Our justification just as if we have never sinned. It comes by faith in the work of Jesus Christ, who was delivered for our iniquity. In Galatians 2.16, it tells us, knowing that 
a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Jesus Christ, he was first delivered up because of our offenses. Second, God's word was delivered for our obedience. The word of God was given to us. It was delivered to us that we might come into obedience to that which was written. In Romans 6, 17, it says, But God be thanked, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered. They had heard the word of God being proclaimed to them. They were slaves of sin, but when the word of God was proclaimed to them, they believed and were delivered from their sins because they believed the doctrine, because they believed the very word of God that had been presented to them. And Paul here breaks out in a momentary praise for God's work in the believers' lives in Rome. Paul understood he was writing this letter to the Romans, although he had never visited Rome before. But they had become believers in Jesus Christ. He wanted to go and to minister to them and to be helped by them. But they had come to faith through someone who had proclaimed the word of God, someone who had preached the word of God to them. They who had once been slaves of sin had now obeyed the gospel that had been delivered to them. You know, we have all once been slaves of sin. According to Romans 3.23, again, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this was the condition of every single one before receiving Jesus Christ. We were all sinners in need of a Savior, but not just any Savior. There is only one who can truly save, and his name is Jesus. We were once slaves of sin, but he says in Romans six seventeen, Yet you obeyed from the heart. Out of the heart is the... Ekkardias is the Greek word. It means out from or out of the heart. And in other words, they had wholeheartedly believed the gospel, the doctrine that had been presented to them. As they wholeheartedly believed this doctrine, this word, they were delivered from the bondage of sin. In Romans 10.10, for out of the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It has been written that God must first go through the mind in order to get to our hearts. We must know some content in order for us to love rightly. Just knowing the facts is not enough. The devil perhaps could write a better systematic theology than any saint, but he will never come to Christ because he hates the things of God. We must also trust Christ with our hearts to be saved. It's not just about knowledge, but it's a, a belief that comes from the heart itself. But we have been delivered that we might serve God and others. In Romans 7, 6, it says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We've been delivered that we might serve God, that we might serve others. Through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, we have been delivered 
from the condemnation of the law. No longer does God see us as condemned before him. In fact, Galatians 3.13 tells us Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. And although we may be guilty of breaking God's law because of faith in the work of Jesus Christ, we've been set free that we are no longer bound by the penalties of the law. We've been set free. It's as if we have been pronounced guilty, given a sentence, served the sentence, and come through it. Did you guys hear recently that there was an inmate that brought a suit into the court system? He lost, but he thought he had a pretty good uh, way of getting past his life sentence. Well, this inmate had died of a heart attack, but was revived again at the hospital. So he said, his argument was, I was given a life sentence, therefore I served my life sentence. I died. And the life sentence didn't say life plus one day. I've served my time, but the court didn't buy that. He's still in jail today. But it's as if the sentence was given to us. We've served our time and we've been set free. No longer can we be tried for that. That is what Jesus Christ has done for us. He has taken the penalty of our sins. He served the time through his death on the cross. And now we are free to serve God and to serve others. A danger that I have observed in Christianity is the spirit of the Judaizers. In the Old Testament or in the New Testament church, there were the Jews who believed in Jesus, who taught the Gentiles that they needed to be circumcised, that they needed to uh, follow the Mosaic law in order to truly be saved. But I see that the spirit of the Judaizer is alive and well within the church today. Today, they wouldn't preach circumcision or the keeping of the law. They might preach the keeping of the law. But the Judaizers said that true salvation couldn't come unless you did this and did this. And yet we're no longer held by the penalty of the Mosaic law. The law remains key in understanding God's standard for his people. There is the spirit of the Judaizer that forces people under the law, but we've been set free from these things, no longer condemned by the penalty of the law itself. But we have been delivered that we might serve others. Delivered that we might be set free. On this word delivered, there was another use that Paul made of it in Romans 15.31, just to fill you in on it since I'm doing these word studies. He did ask that the church would pray for him, that he would be delivered from those who in Judea who did not believe. So he had asked the church in Rome to pray for him that he might be delivered. But Jesus Christ, he has delivered us from the effects of the law that we might bear fruit unto God. And then finally, we come to this glorious liberty of Christ that is for the children of God. In Romans 8, 20 and 21, this whole message came because of this one passage in verse 21 that speaks about the glorious liberty of the children of God. It says in Romans 8, 21, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also 
will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. When God said to Adam, cursed is the ground for your sake, Genesis 3, 17, the seed of sin was planted in the heart of humanity and it resulted in the suffering, the futility, the bondage of this present age. But Paul teaches us that the suffering of sin didn't merely come upon humans themselves, but upon all of creation itself. Creation itself is waiting to be delivered from this bondage that was set upon them. They are waiting to be delivered from sufferings, from futility, and from bondage. And in contrast to this, the things that await those who trust in Jesus, they are so glorious. In Romans 8, 19, it tells us that the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. In this present age, we find that this earth groans, this earth labors, and it speaks as the earth continues to give off birth pains. It speaks about the soon coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But we can't let the groanings of this earth, the labors of this world, distract us from our eternal perspective. While we wait for the glorious liberty that comes to the children of God, we are in a season where the earth has given off these birth pangs. In Romans 8.22, it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Just as with the groans and the labors of a woman who is in the final stages of her pregnancy, she's announcing to the world that something wonderful is coming. Someone wonderful is coming. So too does the present sufferings of this earth speak about the soon coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. The groans, it means to moan with or to groan together with. This Greek word is not about an individual, but the whole earth. We're groaning together with. The labor, these birth pangs, speaks about to suffer this great anguish or this pain again together that we are going through this together. In 2 Corinthians 5, 2, it says, For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. For in this we groan. Well, not everyone in here perhaps groans in this way, but as I wake up in the mornings these days, there's a little bit more groaning going on in my life tends to be that I need to stretch out when I wake up. If you go to physical therapy for whatever thing, they'll always remind you to stretch. And they'll even ask, have you been doing your exercises? Have you been stretching? And the reason, the only reason I ever do them is because there's pain. I never do them to prevent the pain. I always do them as a result of the pain. I stretch out because something hurts. May even make a noise every once in a while. This whole world is in this place of groaning. We can really tie this well back to 9-11, where we have found that there has been this increase of birth pangs in our world. As we have been rocked by radical Islam, social change, economic instability, 
natural disasters, various diseases and pandemics. It is clearly the time that Jesus described in Matthew 24, 12, saying, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. These birth pangs are the result of one man's disobedience by eating of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Thankfully, God sent Jesus, who on another tree bore our reproach and our shame. In Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And it brings us back to our opening verse. In John 8.36, Jesus saying, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And this glorious liberty only comes to those who have been placed their faith in Jesus Christ, having become the children of God. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. The glorious liberty of Christ. Have you received the freedom that only Jesus can give? Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Thank you.